big record from 1979. There's Nights on Broadway from Candy. Well, we'll finish that sentence in just a moment because live on the line from Atlanta, Georgia, I've got the lady herself. Thank you very much for giving me the time. Hi, how are you? Absolutely wonderful, thank you. It's uh, a pleasure. It's a delight to speak to you. Um, Great to speak to you too. (laughs) Great, lovely. Now, first off, before we go any further, um, I'd like to settle a point of contention in the UK especially on the pronunciation of your surname. Um, UK people tend to think it's pronounced Staten, but I think it's truly Staten, isn't it? It's Staten, Fantastic. (laughs) Lovely. Lovely. Um, And can I say how pleased we all are that you've beaten your uh, your battle with um uh, your recent illness yes i mean that it is amazing such... it is amazing um, i came through it and um, absolutely it was not easy oh, but, I bet. Um, it must have been such a roller coaster yeah well done fantastic yeah and uh, isn't yes. it wonderful what they can do nowadays i mean if you think 20 years ago i mean technology ago, and uh where cancer treatments have come from they used to be so scary and yeah. um People would just almost want to commit suicide, knowing what they were facing. Yeah. But now it's it's so it's it's gotten so so much better, and they're improving it every every year. It's wonderful. And it's they've wonderful. got uh, top, you know, the equipment is number one. I mean, it's it's like the top of the line, and they've gotten it fixed now. Where chemotherapy, it's still chemotherapy, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it's not as bad as it i was scared to death when they said cancer because i was like no i'm not doing chemotherapy of course <laughs> did it of course. i am not doing chemotherapy you know i'd rather just die with the cancer than have to die with the chemotherapy yeah but anyway um it was really not that bad good um yeah they had it fixed i had a good doctors and uh i had oncologist my um the, the my chemotherapy oncologist they they have a solution i went to cancer treatment centers of america mm-hmm. and they have a whole um uh, just a whole team for you they 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 um specialize in your they specialize in treating one person at a time yeah i mean it's and not, they study they study you it's not routine but it's it's certainly not reinventing the wheel each time it's not uncharted territory anymore is it no, um, no, it's not one 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 size fits all. It's yeah. not that anymore. No, absolutely. And they did, you know, according to my blood type, my everything, they had it fixed. I'm not saying it was easy. Oh no, because it wasn't. It was not easy, it, and it, it was still. It still has it has its drawbacks, and the the um, radiation was not easy, mm-hmm. and you still have. Um, after effects of radiation long after it's over right and um so you i'm still working with that right now but i'm you know i'm starting to get back i got a a show to do in tennessee so i'm starting you know really really slow uh in october so so i'm getting i'm getting back and I'm doing, you know, I'm rehearsing myself, getting my voice back right. Lovely. Because it's been a year since I used it. So uh, it's like any other muscle. If you don't lose, use it, you'll lose Absolutely, it. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I have to do all my vocalises and, and my exercises and my walking and, you know, building myself back up. Mm-hmm. Other than that, uh, AD, I'm doing fine. 
lovely. Very, very pleased to hear it. Now, of course, across in the UK, you were really rose to prominence with um, uh, a track called Young Hearts Run Free in 1976. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the origins of that, because uh, you met a gentleman, David Crawford, didn't you? Yeah, uh, I he was um, he was my producer, mm-hmm. and um, we I had known David for many years, but I'd never worked with him. He always wanted to work with me, even when he um, he lived in Atlanta. We I used to go over to his studio, okay, and we would sit there at the piano. And he he used to be a gospel. I knew him from gospel. He was a keyboard player for the Caravans. It was right. a gospel group called the Caravans, and I'd known David. Long when I used when I was a kid, we were like we grew grew up together mm-hmm. in, in a sense. And he would go over there. He said, "One of these days, I'm going to do a record on you." And I said, "No, oh, yeah." I, I said, "I'll be glad when that day comes because I think we're going we're going to throw down, David." <laughs> he said, "Yes." And at that particular time, it so happened that I uh, had to sign with Warner Brothers. I just left. Um, Rick Hall and Fame, yep. and um, had signed with Warner Brothers, and this was their fir- first project on me. And David had moved to L.A., and David was at Warner Brothers every day looking for an artist to, to record. Right. And then he brought songs to them, and he, you know, he's a songwriter as well, and he brought songs to them, and, and they were like, I don't know anyone that, could do this type of music, and I'm. We'll we'll keep you in mind, though. You know, we we'll, we'll we'll stay in touch, and if anyone comes along. So when I came along, uh, he mentioned. Uh, they mentioned. Well, we just signed Candy Staten. He said, "You're joking." <laughs> he said, "Can I record? Can we? I mean, I'd love to produce her." And they said, "Well, let's see. Maybe that might work." And so they put us together, and we began to go over some stuff, you know, that he had written, and um, and it fit really good. And so they hired him to be producer, my first producer with Warner Brothers. First record I did with them on the Warner Brothers label was in '76. And what an entry that was! And the first song we did that was a big hit was "Young Hearts Run Free." And what an anthem that was! Still filling dance floors today. Let's have a listen. What a great piece of music! But I mean, that wasn't just um, just another song that he got in his repertoire, was it? Because it was very personal to you. You were going through um, rather a difficult relationship at the time, weren't you? Yes, because uh, like I told you, we knew each other a long time, yeah. and so we we were having lunch. We were trying to find the the way that uh, a theme for the, the the album. We were trying to find what songs would fit and what songs wouldn't fit, and the timing of the songs and what you know where we were living and where I was in my personal life. Yeah. And so I was with this very um, abusive guy at the time, and I was trying to get away from him. And it, I mean, he was threatening my life, oh dear. and he was telling me if I ever got away from him that he would kill me or members of my family, and I was so scared of him. So Goodness I was me. like, David, I know where am I going to ever get away from this man? I don't understand how I'm going to do it. And uh, so little did I know he was writing. I noticed he was writing. 
And I thought he was just trying to remember what I said, you know, just writing it so he could help me. And um, never thought he was writing Young Hearts Run Free. Wow. And that's what he was writing. He was putting that whole concept together as we talked. And we had many lunches and dinners together. And each time we get into that subject, he'd write more. <laughs> and um, so when it came time, not only did he write that song, but he wrote, like, Run to Me. He wrote Honest I Do, So Blue, and all those songs for the album. And, uh, and, and when it came time for us to actually record, uh, I flew to L.A., yeah. And we we got the studio, and he got some of the finest singers and musicians there were in L.A. Well, I, said, I mean, you were working too. with Denise Williams, weren't you, and Ray Parker Jr.? Yeah, she was track. on the album. Yeah. yeah, she was on the album. And um, it was it's just, you look on it, I forget everybody that was on that album. I have to look <laughs> at the album. I have to look at the uh, uh, album cover to see who played music and all. But they're all famous now, and they're all right. Yeah, right. So. And so that's what made that album such a such a big hit. You know, that song, such a great hit. The whole album's full of great tracks. One of my favourites is I Bet Your Sweet, Sweet Love. Let's play that next. Beautiful track. But, of course, uh, you've been singing for many, many years before. In fact, as a, a bit of a child prodigy, weren't you? Because um, you were five yeah. years old, weren't you? When a yeah, when I first hit the hit the stage for the first time, I was five years old, shaking wow. in my knees. Oh, <laughs> and, I was, and they put me on a chair, and the chair was shaking. And <laughs> and I'm trying I'm trying to hang on uh, because they couldn't see me. You know, when back in the olden days, when they had churches, traditional churches like yeah. Baptist churches, okay. they would have a railing around the front part of and then they'd have a pulpit in the middle okay and I, I had to stand in front of the railing and they couldn't see me only they could see my shoulders and um they had a they so they came and put a chair there so i could stand <laughs> up and be seen <laughs> and Damn i man. i had gone to church since i was in my mother's womb so every song in church that they sung i remembered it and and I sung a song called "The Lord Will Make a Way." At five years old, that's a lot to learn. Beautiful, yeah. But it is, I knew absolutely. it. I knew it. Yeah. And I, uh, it wasn't. So wrong. I stood up and sung that, and they got happy and went to shouting and throwing handkerchiefs and <laughs> screaming. You know, I mean, if you've never seen movies where the old black churches get happy, then you know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. <laughs> Lovely. Well, it wasn't long. Scared the you. living daylights out of me. <laughs> It uh, wasn't long before you joined uh, a gospel group, wasn't it? The Four Golden Echoes. Well, when I got to be eight, eight years old, we put our own... Well, after that Sunday, well, you know, my sister and I started singing together, and we would sing duets and in church. And my pastor, who was Reverend King, mm -hmm. uh, he would always call us up to sing, which gave us... Uh, we, we Actually, we didn't know we were practicing for audiences, but he gave us the boldness to sing in front of a crowd. Wow. And so every Sunday he'd bring his two little girls up, and then sometimes we would go out with him. He would be uh, invited to other churches. Mm -hmm. And we would go out with him. He'd ask my mother, could we go and sing before he preached? And my mother would say, yeah, just don't keep him out too late, uh -huh. you know. And um, so he would say, oh, no, it's at 3 o'clock, so I'll have him back here long before night. And so we would sing, and... 
we would make people shout, and they loved us, and they would just come to see sometimes them two little girls. Them two little girls is going to be with Reverend King, and <laughs> church would be full. And um, so that's how we, we learned how to sing, you know. And then the two other girls, her name, one was Letha, Letha May, mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. other one's named Betty Jean. Right. And um, so they they wanted to sing, too. And so we sat down at school and doing recess. We would all get together and harmonize. And then uh, one of the girls, Betty Jean's, Betty Jean's uh, aunt, was a keyboard player. Okay. And so we started going to her house after school and rehearsing with her. And before we knew it, we were getting dates. And so we started a group called the Four Golden Echoes. Mm, excellent. Uh, and there, of course, you, um, you moved away, didn't you, from the family? Uh, went down to Nashville yes. to a, a Christian academy. Well, before then, my mother and, you know, my father was an alcoholic. Oh, dear. And he was a gambler. And oh we were, we were dead. We were dirt poor. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we could never have anything. And my oldest brother had moved to Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. And had gotten married. And uh, he told my mother, he said, you know, I'm going to send for you. And my, da- my dad was abusive when he got drunk. So right. he said, um, I'm going to send for you so I can, you can get some peace, Mama. He said, and I'm going to send for you and the girls and, and my little baby brother. And and you you all come to Cleveland and live with us until, you know, my mother could get on welfare mm. and get her own place. And he um, he did. He sent for us, and uh, we went to Cleveland. This is how we met Bishop Jewell. Okay. Uh, his wife was a member of a, a church called Church of the Living God. And uh, they would come in. <clears throat> On Tuesday nights, they had a talent show. And they would have, bring in different people, not just kids, but anybody that had any kind of talent. And they had a, uh, a band, a four-piece band, a bass player, a guitar player, a drummer, and a steel guitar. Right. The gospel steel, they called it. And they had music in that church. Like no music I had ever heard. I was so excited. My God, it was like music that nobody, I had ever heard music like that before in my life as a kid. At that time, I was about 11, 11 or 12. And my goodness, I mean, we were just, we were just sitting in our seats. We could hardly be still. And uh, they, they called us, uh, my sister-in-law, Ethel, had whispered into Bishop Jewel's ear that these old girls could sing and they need to call us up. We came to uh, to get into the contest. Right. And so they called us up and we got up and sung. And that was it. Bishop Jewel wanted us to go. She had a school in Nashville. Yes. She had a, a, a Christian school in Nashville. And she asked my mother if we could come to the school and that we wouldn't have to pay any tuition and we could be like, um, there's a college in Nashville called Fisk University that has Fisk singers. They had singers that would go out and raise money for underprivileged kids that wanted to go to college and didn't have money to go. Okay. So they they had uh, a, 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 they had a group that would go out and raise money for underprivileged children. And that's what Bishop Jewell did with us. That's where it started, that we would... My mother said, no, they're too young to leave home. And we begged, and we pleaded, and we begged, and we pleaded, please let us go, please let us go. She said, I'm not letting you go. 
because she's too young to leave home. I'm not going to let y'all go with that lady. We don't know that lady. Mm. So um, about the time <clears throat> we were breaking her down, but when my and my father showed up, I don't know, he got on the Greyhound bus and came to Cleveland. Right. And when he did, my mother changed her mind. She said, I'm going to let y'all go with that lady. She said, because I know she can do more for you than I can. And she did. Yeah. And the rest is history. We got with the, we, uh, we started rehearsing every day. We became a big gospel group in the 50s. And we were three little girls. We were like the Jackson Five <laughs> with a band. We were the only gospel group with a band. And we were kids. Wow. The, all, all the quartet singers like Sam Cooke had a group and Lou Rawls had a group. Yeah. And the staple singers had a group, but they only had a guitar player, Pops was the guitar player. Yeah, yeah. And nobody had a full-fledged band except them three little girls wow. that could out-sing everybody. Beautiful. Because you were on the so same... So we were a phenomenon. Yeah. We, were, we were phenomenal. We were like something nobody had ever seen before in life. They wouldn't let us in churches because they said it was the devil's music. <laughs> oh, dear. So, <laughs> so we had to go to uh, the auditoriums. We had to go to high school auditoriums and different other auditoriums. Only churches we could attend uh, were Bishop Jewel's churches. She had about 30 of them. Mm -hmm. So we go from church to church, you know, and sing there. And we started making records, and we made eight songs and uh, with Nashboro Records. Yeah. And we were there. I was there until I was about 16, 17 years old. And then I left because things just weren't right. And, you know, they were cheating us out of our money, and mm. everybody was making money but us. And we were getting to be teenagers, and we, you know, we knew, we just knew that we were making a lot of money for these people. Yeah. And it wasn't all going to the school. Yeah. And they weren't paying us. And so we, uh, we just got, we said, well, I'm going home. I'm just going to go home and hope for the best. And that's what we did. Okay. Went home. My sister got married to one of the teachers, one of our tutors, and I went home to my mother in my last year of high school, and that was it. And we then I started a family and had four kids, and, mm -hmm. and I had another abusive husband, and, you know, my story goes on and on oh, and dear. on and on. Bless you. So uh, in 1969, uh, I met Clarence Carter, right, and he introduced me to Rick Hall, and the uh, of rest course, Rick Hall was Muscle Shoals, wasn't he? Yes, yes, he was with Muscle Shoals. And Etta James had just left him because she went to Atlantic Records and he was looking for a female artist. And Your first release on the Fame label was called I'd Rather Be an Old Man's Sweetheart. What an entry. And that was the beginning of a beautiful collaboration. How did you meet Clarence Carter? It was an amateur well, contest, wasn't I was, it? Well, I was doing a little, um, I was doing a little weekend uh, thing with uh, a, a, a local club. My brother took me to. My brother took me to one of his friends' club one night and begged him to let me sing. And I only knew two songs, and that was "Do Right Woman" and yeah. "Tell Mama." And I sung those songs and. And the the crowd went crazy. There were only whole 150 people, but they wanted me back, and he finally hired me. And Clarence Carter had just come out with Slip Away. Yeah. And um, he was coming to town, and 
so the guy's name was O.J. We called him O.J. Okay. And uh, 2728 Club in Birmingham. I don't even think it exists anymore. And um, I was what I was his I was his regular regular artist. And so he asked Clarence, "Could I open for him?" Clarence said, "No." And he said, "Oh, if you if you work here at this club, you, she's going to open for you." Right. He said, well, I already have a girl on the road with me to open. I have already have my review. He said, you're going to love this one. So he said, well, okay, if you insist. So he said, she got to come to rehearsal. So I came to rehearsal on that Thursday. We did Saturday and Sunday together, Friday and Saturday together with Clarence, and I had to rehearse on a Thursday. And I asked him, I said, uh, do you know, do you know uh, the right woman? He said, yeah, I think we can work that one up. And then I said, then I want to do Tell Mama, too. I said, I'll do that one. I only know two songs. Right. He said, he said that's okay. I think uh, I can deal with Tell Mama since I wrote it. <laughs> and I'm like, you wrote Tell Mama? <laughs> I said, you wrote it? He said, yeah, I wrote that song. I wrote it. I, I wrote the song. I, uh, I wrote it and put it on one of my records called Tell Daddy and Rick Hall wanted to do it on Etta James, and he she said, tell Mama. So uh, anyway, we can do that one. So they knew it well, you know. You know, of course they did. And um, he wanted to hire me. Fantastic. To come on the road with him. And, and he said, I want to introduce you to my producer. Mm-hmm. I know he will love you. And... I mean, I, uh, the story is long, so um, I have a book I call Young Hearts Run Free, so you can read all that. Okay, yeah. But he took me to, um, he took me to Muscle Shows. We met him in Muscle Shows, and I auditioned for Rick, and Rick was just elated, and he called all of the guys, the Muscle Shows, what now we call them the Swampers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, rhythm section to yeah. get up out of their beds it was like nine o'clock or stop watching football or whatever they were doing and come to the studio immediately we're going to cut a session tonight mm-hmm. and that's how i did i did three songs that night mm-hmm. i did um old man sweetheart yeah. um i'd rather been old man sweetheart i i'd rather been old man that's sweetheart a young man's fool, for yeah. you and never in public beautiful and then he made me he signed a contract that night Wow. And he was gonna he was gonna shop it. We ended up going with Capitol Records for the first time, and that's how I got into the music industry. Well, I'm not surprised he made you sign with the quality of those cuts. Lovely record. One of the three tracks you recorded during your first session at Muscle Shoals. Prior to that, you you recorded a, a track on Unity Records, didn't you? That's really popular mm-hmm. over here. Um, now I've got the upper hand. Tell me about that. How did you come to Unity? Because they're not related to uh, Fame Records, are they? No, no. That was just a, uh, that was an independent label. Yeah. In Birmingham, Alabama, it was a tiny little label. They were trying to get off their feet. They never did. Um, but they did do a song on me. Um, they heard about me, and. Um, he one the the owner of the record label was at one of my shows at the little club that I was doing. Right, and he uh, invited me to be that he said he wanted to cut a record on me, 
And I said, fine. I'm thinking, oh, wow, this is great. So I went down to the studio and um, and cut that song. And and it was another song, too, that he had me do. Um, a Man Can't Be Judged. This is in the... Check this out. This is in the 50s. Right. And uh, we sung a duet called A Man Can't Be Judged by the Color of His Skin. And okay. you can imagine how far that went. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, at that time. <laughs> so, but we did uh, Upper Hand. And uh, one more song, I can't I remember that song. But... Um, he put it on the radio for a short while and it got a little popular. Mm, I'm not surprised. It became a Northern Soul classic. Great record. I'm only surprised Unity let you go to fame. I signed a contract with him before I did Rick. And I was under a two-year contract with this Unity record label. And... Uh, after I signed the contract with Rick, I got scared. I'm like, I said, Clarence, I'm already on the contract. <laughs> oh he said, um, he said, what, what are you talking about? I said, I said, uh, I'm already on the contract with this company in Birmingham. He said, what's the name of the company? I said, Unity Records. He said, don't let them know you with Rick Hall. <laughs> he said, we're going to talk them. I'm going to buy the contract. So he went, and, and I, I asked, first I asked the guy, it, would he give me my contract back? He said, go and call him and find out if you can get the contract back. Since the record didn't do anything, okay. you know, that he can't hold you up. He says, no, I'm not giving you your contract back. I'll sell it back to you. Because he knew I didn't have any money. Yeah. I said, well, what do you, see, you know I don't have any money. He said, well, he said, well, you, know, you stuck with me. I said, how much do you want for it? He said, "I'll take fifteen hundred. If you can get me fifteen hundred, I get this. I give you back this contract." So I told Clarence, and he he gave me fifteen hundred, and I went and got my contract. Wow! What was the look on his face? Hmm. What was he the look didn't know on where I got the money? No, <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, well." And then, uh, 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 maybe it was like nine months later, this song came out and sold like seven hundred fifty thousand copies. Was he mad? <laughs> <laughs> I bet. But talking about you, you like she's trying to be slick. Yeah, but you, you touched earlier on um, you can't judge a, a man by the colour of his skin. I mean, this was 1967, the famous Detroit race riots, and there was a lot of tension. But at Muscle mm -hmm. Shoals must have been a wonderful oasis because the Swampers were all white. Largely, the artists were black. It it, it completely went against current thinking, didn't it? Uh, contemporary thinking. Yeah, because the guy I sang it with was white. Yeah. I was a black woman. He was a bright man. It must have been wonderful. And just how it should and, be. It was a great song. I thought it was a wonderful song. Yeah, yeah. We harmonized it together. And um, it didn't go anywhere. We tried to put it on the radio. I said, you got to be joking. You know? hmm. <laughs> Come on. You think we're going to play this? You know, it was just before it's time. Yeah. It was really, it was not time, time for it. No. And they weren't ready for that. But they did play upper hand. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, going going back to uh, Muscle Shoals and the Fame label, I mean, you cut some great tracks there. One of them, you covered Elvis's In the Ghetto. Let's play that next. That's just great. It prompted him to actually send you a letter of congratulation, didn't it? 
I yes, he not. did. Um, during that time, I just married Clarence. I had married Clarence. We weren't getting along well. Oh dear. And uh, I had a child by him, mm-hmm. and we were just not. We were, I, you know, I just knew we weren't going to make it. And uh, it was during a time in my life where there were a lot of upheaval things, things that just weren't going right. Um, I was unhappy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had my mind on packing up, leaving the house, buying a new home, because at that time I could afford a home yeah. by myself. Yeah. And I was living with him, and he was womanizing at the time, and I just wasn't uh, going to have it. No. And no. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to pack all the stuff and get all my important papers together and so I can file for divorce mm-hmm. and um, and move out of the house. And... Um, the letter was there. It was in the drawer. I never will forget where it was. I put it. We had a desk. We had a beautiful home, but we had a desk in the kitchen. Right. And I had put the letter in the top drawer of the kitchen, uh, in, in the little desk in the kitchen, to save it. I would look at it ever so often. Yeah. And I saw his signature, <laughs> you know. And um, I forgot to get it. Right. When I was moving out. Oh, dear. I just forgot it. It was there. And I don't know what Clarence ever did with it. I don't know. Because, you know, he's blind. And I'm pretty sure they just, whoever got in the house just kind of folded it, just kind of balled it up and put it in the garbage. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. But never mind. They just kind of balled it up and put it in the garbage. They didn't think it was, they was cleaning out drawers and they all just just threw it away. And I'm like, oh, my God. But he he was alive then. You know, I thought maybe someday I'd run into him and get another one. <laughs> but it never happened. No. Uh, an- another big milestone while you were at Fame was uh, your cover of Stand By Your Man was uh, your first ever gold record. Yes, yes, Stand By Your Man. Uh we we came up with that Rick uh I came in the studio we were recording an album. I don't um we were getting ready to do another session. Yeah. And my first session, I think it was the second session I was doing with him. And uh he was listening to Tammy Wynette. Okay. I went in the office and he was listening to Tammy Wynette. And I walked in and I sat down. He said, listen to this song. Listen to this song. Fit you. This will fit you. I said, yeah, it's a nice song. But Rick, I said, it's country. He said, oh, we're going to take the country out. Mm. I said, how, how are you going to do that? He said, well, we'll find a way. We'll find a way. So we went in. Um, we were in the studio and he played it on the big speakers. And he says, guys, we want to take the country out. Y'all got any ideas how to take the country out of this song? And so David, uh, the bass player, uh, he started a, He started to sit in there. We were listening to it. And then he just started to come up with this line. Doom, 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 doom. Rick said, that's it. That's it. <laughs> he said, guitar player, I want you to start riffing. He said, Jimmy, start the riffing. Riff, just do your little riffs. You know, chinga, chinga, chinga. And then, then you know, uh, the drummer, he got the beat. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, we worked the you song up the to, be, to the stand by your man you hear today. Beautiful. Beautiful. I mean, um, yeah. also, 1972, you made an appearance on Soul Train. Uh, that mm-hmm. was uh, an iconic TV program, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah, that was Soul Train was the, <laughs> the biggest show out. And in its and, early um, days as well. I think I was on there about twice. Yeah. A couple of times I was on there, yeah. I forget which year it started, but I thought it was very early 70s. And um, yeah, yeah, I think I did Stand By Your Man. Might have done In the Ghetto too when it came out. Um, um, I think I did. Two, those were my hit records yeah. at the time. I was nominated for Grammy for both of them. Lovely. So they had me on. Um, so 1974, as you say, the uh, the relationship with Clarence was um, was uh, declining rapidly. You left Fame Studios yeah. and went West Coast, didn't you, across to Warner Brothers? Yes. Right. I did quite a few albums with Rick, and I was doing just rhythm and blues, R&B, you know, a little mm-hmm. pop here and there. But um, they wanted to go... The last record I did, it wasn't selling. It stopped... The record stopped selling, okay? And... They weren't selling. They were selling, but not as much as they had been selling. Yeah. So the momentum was going down between Rick and me. Mm-hmm. We were coming into a new dispensation of music. Yeah. And um, uh, it, it, we were we were still trying to hang on to the old, and it was moving up into disco. Yeah. And uh, 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 Gloria Gaynor just came out with "I I Will Survive." Yeah. And women were rights. Women rights were. Uh, coming out of the closet and they were everywhere talking about we are somebody and you know Glo- uh, Gloria uh, Esteban what's her name what, Gloria that Gaynor? started the women's women's lib thing oh I wouldn't know Sorry. in Chicago she started it in Chicago I think she named um, I forget her name now but mm, she okay. she was a big name you could look it up she started the women's lib thing you know don't open the door for me I can open my own door thing <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying I like the doors being open yeah. for me. Where you coming? You know, I love that. But um, music was just changing along with society. Mm, that's right. And so we weren't. We were still begging men to stay with us. Please don't leave me. And 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 and, and they weren't buying that anymore. So Warner Brothers, um, Will Austin. I think he was the president at the time. He said, "Rick, now I'm a, we're gonna we're gonna put this record out." He said, "But if this record doesn't sell, and we don't get the kind of a rapport that we've been getting on these records, uh, we don't get the kind of sales that we've been getting, would you be willing to release Candy to us?" Right. And he, they, Rick said, "Well, yeah, well, yeah, I guess I would. Yeah, she wants to come." If she wants to go with you, that's fine. Lovely. So it was and nice and amicable so then. I, yeah, it was Excellent. like, I said, and they asked me would I like to go with Warner Brothers. I said, sure. And off you went. And in 1974, you released your debut LP on Warner Brothers entitled Candy. One of my favourites from that LP is called Can't Stop Being Your Fool. Great track, and what an opportunity! You know, Warner Brothers was a course, huge concern. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm getting into the big times now. You know, the big days, yeah. big, big. I'm going on up. But um, so was there a was, difference? It was, great. Was, it was. Was there a difference between working for difference. Fame yeah. to working Warner Brothers? Oh, it was great. I mean, <laughs> they had all kind of promotions. Or they had uh, anything you needed. They were. They had parties. They had everything. They knew how to promote. Let's just put it like that. 
Lovely. And talking of parties, of course, you were uh, regularly on the guest list at Studio 54 in New York. You, yeah, was, uh, yeah I, 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 was, I never performed there. I just was a guest. I was yeah. always going. I yeah. had to see other people perform. There was not, nobody really... I never went there at night anybody performed. Mm -hmm. It was just, everybody was a, was a star. Yeah, yeah. Everybody was a star. Everybody came dressed in gowns that we performed in. <laughs> right. I is, mean, it was amazing. They come dressed like they were performers. Wow. It was no blue jeans, none of that stuff going on. It was gown sequence, um, beautiful outfits. I mean, it was like top. I mean, it was like models, you know. Uh, people came in there just to be seen. We'll say, I think everybody, everybody was, anybody was, was there, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, guys coming in dressed in shiny shoes. And I mean, I'm like, good Lord, I'm going to have to find me a designer <laughs> to keep up with these people. So I'd go just to see what people were wearing. And um, we just go in there and dance. And, you know, it would be all kind of stars in there. Yeah. Yeah. It would, you know, uh, Stephanie Mills and, wow. and Diana Ross. and It was just amazing people everywhere. Shaka Khan. And it would be just people, artists all over the place. So is you know, that, is that where you might met, run into anyone. Is that where you met Patrick Adams? Because he was really instrumental in the New York disco scene. And you collaborated with him. Patrick Adams, you collaborated with him on When You Wake Up Tomorrow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We met a lot of contacts what that we could work with, you know. You sit there and you drink a beer or drink your your mixed drink or whatever and sit there and make a make a deal. Mm. You know, and that's where people came and they would have the guys outside um choosing who could come in and who couldn't. <laughs> the bouncers, yeah. Yeah, the bouncers, they would say, "Well, they knew me by now." Yeah. You know, so I never got turned away. They would say, Candy, come in, come on in. And they <laughs> they turned Diana Ross away one night. <laughs> I'm like, Oh Goodness my me. God. <laughs> she must not she must not have been dressed appropriately. No, I don't know. But um they turned her away one night. But they never turned me away. Fantastic. Yeah. But of course all this high living and um uh, well, high life, high society comes at a bit of a price, doesn't mm -hmm. it? Because um, oh, it, you, yeah. you're always exposed to alcohol and drugs, and it's easy to get sucked in, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's, and that's where I got uh, I got in, but, but you got out as well, the, and that's the important thing, mm -hmm. isn't it? So, yeah. So yeah. Tell, tell me about getting I, out I the was other side. A, I was like, uh, I was hooked for about, oh, God, I guess maybe... 13 years. The thing is, it's so easy done, isn't it? It's, it's just the more it you, you... It starts off small, and the more you do, the more you can do, and, and all of a sudden... Yeah, you, and, you're looking and, and, up. and there's this voice, there's this uh, feeling inside of you that you're inadequate unless you are. Mm. Yeah, unless you pressure. have a yeah. drink. Yeah. yeah, a lot of peer you, pressure. You lose all of the, you know, the, the, you know, the, the nervousness and the butterflies and <laughs> oh, yeah. all of the things that we have to go through when we hit the, uh, the stage for, mm. for for performance and you see all them people and you get a little nervous well if you get a couple of drinks you just all you know you just yeah of you feel mellow and you feel you feel uh, oh god mm. you know that you can do anything you yeah. know you, you're not nervous at all 
they're just people to you now. Absolutely. You know, they're nothing special. They're just people, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Before so, then, they were like, oh, my God, I wonder who's <laughs> out there. Oh, my God, am I going to do good tonight? Lord, let my let my voice be good. You know, all that kind of worry you didn't have. No. You didn't care more. No. So um, that's what hooked me. But thank God in, 19, in 1982, I gave my heart to the Lord again. Lovely. And um, he totally delivered me without any drawbacks, without having to go into AA or anything like that. He delivered me from alcohol. Excellent. I fasted three days. Right. And he took my appetite for alcohol away, and um, I gave my heart to the Lord during those days. And and I've never regretted it. Good. Good. And that's when you started, uh, you turned your musical talents to gospel, didn't you? It took me a couple of years, but I did. Eventually went back to gospel music because now I'm not drinking and the clubs are boring, you know, and I'm looking at all these drunk people I'm singing to and they don't even appreciate me. So I'm like, now I'm real sober. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, and they talking while I'm singing. And I'm like, I'm getting, I'm like, do you realize I'm singing to you and you're drunk? Yeah. And then, plus, I just felt compelled to start doing gospel music. I just loved it. It was like something rising. It was God. I know it was God rising inside of me saying, you've had enough of this. It's time for a change. Quite right. And And the uh, title track from your first gospel LP, Make Me an Instrument, is a lovely, lovely (laughs) piece of music. Lord, make me an instrument of your love. Hitting the gospel world by storm there, then. Yes, And, and on your own label as well. Yeah. Baraka. Yeah. Baraka? We couldn't find anybody to take... Uh, we had a different sound. Mm-hmm. And um, no gospel label wanted us. Right. None. They wanted... They would not put us... You know, put any music out on me. Uh, we went to several record labels. Word Records and different big gospel labels. And they said, no... It's too white to be black and too black to be white. And I couldn't understand what that meant. <laughs> oh, dear. So I was an M.O.R. gospel artist before it became popular. Yeah. You know, now you got a lot of M.O.R. middle-of-the-road yeah. type of, uh, could go either way, mm-hmm. you know, music. But that's what the songs I was writing, and that's those songs God was giving me to write for me. Because I would go look at these old hymns, and they just didn't fit me, yeah. you know. Um, some of them are standards, and, and I don't mind doing them, like Precious Lord and all that. Mm-hmm. But then I wanted something new. I wanted something to attract the younger generation, people that was in the world, out there in the clubs, and they wanted that sound, but they didn't have it in the church. Mm. So that's the the gap I was trying to fill. Well, I think to an extent it, didn't it worked, go over didn't it? Because well. uh, you got a Grammy nomination for the LP. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it does. We finally, we finally got that. We had three nominations. I think Sing a Song became yeah. Grammy nominated, and uh, it might have been another Love Lifting Me or something else. But um, we we finally got there on our own. Yeah, That's we right. worked hard too. We worked hard. We worked very hard to get that, and. Um, 
So I stayed there, and then, um, you know, we weren't drawing really big crowds, and we were suffering um, financially. Okay. We couldn't live the lifestyle that I had been so used to. Mm-hmm. And so um, the word got out that that I was, you know, someone came to the church um, and heard me sing and introduced me to Jim Baker. Right. And Jim Baker put me on national television. Mm. Yeah. And after national television, uh, I began to get um, uh, invitations to conferences and churches. Yeah, that, that, that television, you had your own weekly TV show, didn't you? Yeah, eventually. It, Fantastic. I was on TV Did you enjoy doing TV? I was doing TV for 25 years. Wow. Yeah. Did, which yeah, you prefer? That's, that's the sabbatical. Y'all didn't see me in Europe. Uh, no. So <laughs> So do you prefer TV to, to public performances, or is it just two different it, it, things? It, 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 TV took me to the public performance. Yes. You know, they you had to see me. Because the radios wouldn't play my music. Yeah. So the Lord let me do TV. Finds a way. He always finds a way. Yeah. And people started inviting me. And uh, my, you know, the Lord began to bless me with money. And uh, we got another house, and we got cars. And we just, you know, we could live pretty much close to the li- lifestyle I'd been used to when I was doing, you know, my old music. Yeah. And um, and then um, well, you see- I got... You started getting inv- yeah. invitations to places like corporate events and uh, fundraisers. Well, tell me about the invitation to the oh, White yeah. House. To the White House, I went there twice. Yeah, yeah, I went there with Carter, uh, President Carter. I was at the White House with him, mm-hmm. and I was also at the White House with uh, President Clinton. Fantastic. So I've been to the White House yeah. a couple of times. <laughs> what was it like? What was oh, it? Did it you was get to meet wonderful. the two presidents? I didn't meet. I pre, I met President Carter. Okay. But uh, I did meet Hillary. All right. Uh, she came in the room with us, and we sat there and we talked. And I brought a book, a book that I had just written, and some music. I don't know if she listened to it or not, but um, you ha- you can't give gifts, and, no. and they have to okay the the Secret Service have to okay your music. And my music and my book was one of the ones they. Accepted. Okay. Lovely. It's the same over yeah. here. Our royal family is not allowed to accept gifts. It's a, it's a very similar yeah, right. sort of a thing. Yeah. Fantastic. But what so, an accolade. So anyway, um, I was there for 25 years, and um, and the church was so strict in certain belief systems, okay. and I, I hate that. Doing those days, which they, they kind of lightened up a little bit now. Yeah. But at the time when I was breaking in, um my ex-husband and I had this TV show together and we were, we came up the ladder together as a team. Mm-hmm. And, um, so he, he was, he had gotten back into, he was a cocaine addict before I met him, before he, um, gave his heart to the Lord. Is this, is this John stopped Cicero? all that foolishness. Yeah. His name was John. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I couldn't take it any longer and I divorced him mm-hmm. while we were in the church. All right. Uh, I tried my best to stay with him, but I couldn't. He had gotten so horrible. Oh dear. Uh, I couldn't. I couldn't live with him. And I'm, I'm gonna tell you, I don't live with horrible people. Oh, of course not. Life's too short. 
It's too short. You, you can't have and negative so I'm vibes. I'm like, you know what? I'm uh, not, 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 I don't watch a lot of movies. I'm, you know, they, they'll just kill their partner. I am not killing anybody. I'm leaving. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. Very wise. I'm leaving. <laughs> they can call me Elizabeth Taylor if they want to. I don't <laughs> care. No. I see why she left so many men. <laughs> but anyway, um, I got divorced and the church dropped me. Right. TV dropped me. Everybody dropped me. And I was so devastated that I didn't have a way to make a living. And um, I'm thinking, Lord, what am I going to do? I mean, even the the churches that had given me um, uh, invitations mm-hmm. drew them back. Oh, ouch. They, cast, they canceled. And I'm like, why did they cancel? They say they don't want no divorced woman teaching their people. Goodness you know. me. They didn't want the, you know, that spirit, quote unquote, in the church. And now, guess what? God. They're divorced. <laughs> Some of the pastors that yeah. <laughs> that told me I couldn't come to that church, they got divorced later. And I'm like, oh, okay. So that's the way it was. And, and, uh, and so I began to pray and ask the Lord. I said, God, any door you open, I don't care what door you open now. I'm going to walk in it. Right. Two weeks later, you're, you guys call me. That's when I get on stage over there and tell you how much I love you. I tell Europe all the time. EU, I have uh, the European people. I love you all so much because it was your hands God put me in. I think we've got different attitudes, different attitudes over here in the UK and Europe, mm-hmm. because in America yeah. it seems to be that, yes, you've got a great song or you're doing something, uh, you're creating something wonderful, but that's that's then and, and what's what you, what's you going to follow up with? What's next? Whereas, right. yeah. whereas in the UK it's and Europe, always competition. We, we take always great you, music and great things and cling to it. Right. You guys are so different. You just love good music. Absolutely. You know, and, you, and, you, and you're loyal. You're loyal. When you love some some of us as artists, you don't put us down. You keep us. You know, uh, we're like fine china or yeah. you know, sort of rare antique. Yeah, it's great. You know, and that's I love it. And when I walk out there on that stage with at the you know Glastonbury Festival and say, you know, you don't have a clue how much I love you, and they scream and they jump and yeah. they say, yes, we love you, Candy. You don't know what that do. That just does something to my heart. I want to cry. Oh, bless. Because I know where I was yeah. when, when you were, you, the Europeans, when you, the UK picked me up. Yeah. I had nowhere to, I had nothing I could do. And I know God was in that that put me there. Well, w- one such European opportunity was, um, uh, well, it was quite strange, wasn't it? You got the love in 1991. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was, uh, your, your vocals were sampled on uh, the Source's version of You Got the Love, and you didn't realise you'd recorded it? Or perhaps no, it was never they, meant to be a 45? They slipped it over on me. That was one time they slipped it by me. I didn't know I was over there. Wasn't uh, it for a TV artist, advertisement? The artist... Uh, artists and musicians were coming back, and at that time I was still on TV, TVN, the Trinity Broadcasting. All right. And they said, Candy, you got a hit record in Europe. <laughs> I said, Get out of here. What what hit record? 
I said, they don't want my music over there. I'm singing gospel now. And they said, no, 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 it's, it's, on, it's on the charts. I said, what are you talking about? He said, it's, it's like, it's something about love. Yeah. I said, uh, okay. You can't remember the, the title? Honest to God, I forgot I had made the record. Well, that must have come as quite a surprise then, because it did very well over here. So, what can you tell me about that? I made the record in, in 86. Okay. And it had set dormant for years. And I had forgotten I had made the record. It was about a guy losing weight, mm -hmm. for heaven's sake. They were doing a <laughs> video about a guy losing weight, and they needed me to sing the song. Mm, I could do with a bit of that. And the guy never lost the weight, and the song just went, you know, they just just put it on the back burner. And uh, Dick Gregory, the comedian out of Chicago, right. it was for him, for his project, uh, The Bahamian Diet. And um, some guy from his organization took my vocal only. Mm -hmm. Didn't take the music, just took the vocal to Europe. Yeah. And um, there was this, what's his name? He, this guy... He he died. Uh, I can't think of his name at the mm -hmm. moment. His his music was playing, and they and he went up with the vocal and he asked him to put it on top of it right. to see what it worked. He heard it and he figured it would fit, and it did. And that's how you got the love started. Excellent. The source got a hold of it and and mass produced it and you know and and good lord, I mean it went kept going and it's still going it's still going that's right yeah great piece and that of music. was my opening you know and it was a gospel record yeah and it, i'm like it's still going and i open all the doors that you see me walking into today beautiful um you also took whilst we're on gospel you were uh, inducted into the christian music hall of fame yes lovely and also the rhythm and blues hall of fame oh, in excellent. the yeah, I got uh, inducted when Rick was still alive. Okay. He um he he, he gave me my award. Lovely, that must have been a special Alabama moment. Music Hall of Fame. Yeah, I'm in that too, and and also the Christian, and then the Carolina Hall of Fame as well. All right. Carolina Music. So I've been in three Hall of Fames. I'm waiting on Cleveland, <laughs> 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 the big one. <laughs> Excellent. Hopefully, I get it one day. <laughs> And and it and Georgia, Georgia haven't haven't done anything either. So maybe one day they will. All right, I'll see what I can do to give them a kick along. So, Candy, <laughs> yeah. what what do you do to unwind? You're obviously a very busy lady. But what what do you do? Where do you go um, when you want some me time? Well, I have a little house that's in the country, mm -hmm. way out in the country. I don't live in the city because you're in Atlanta. I bought a right? house, and no, I'm not in Atlanta. I'm in a little. City called Madison, oh, right. which is way out. And they do a lot of movies there. Okay, it's a nice. Uh, James Madison was one of our presidents, and uh, that the city was named after James Madison. Okay. So he lived there, and um, th so the, it's a very quaint, nice. Everybody knows everybody. It's about seventeen thousand people. Oh, I live like that. There. That sounds very much like the town I live in, Newark. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I bought a house out there and um you know i have a guest house my son lives mm -hmm. there with me and my and another it's like 
a big house. It was made for multiple families, and it just fits me because my other son lives in an apartment in the basement. Right. My other son lives in an apartment uh, in the guest house. Fantastic. And I live in the big house. It must be beautiful to have all your family around you. Yeah, and we have a big indoor swimming pool, and that's how I'd relax. I just get out there and flop around in the pool and... You know, I'll take walks in the country, and I sit and listen if the birds sing to me in the morning, and uh, I listen if the donkeys bray at night. So, and you know, the frogs and all that stuff just—it just soothes me. Yeah. I just get so comfortable living there, and yeah. I go other places. You know, I I go around. We we go on. Um, sometimes we get on. Um, we we go to cruises and stuff like that okay. so I, I have a lot of ways of relaxing plus i love my family and i'm always over to my daughter's house and my son's house we go to the studio um and we we, we write songs in my spare time and you know there's always something happening in atlanta i go to concerts when I, the right concert comes and um i just love it here you know so i, I have a lot of ways of relaxing and when i want my want my quiet time i can get it lovely and when you say you go to the studio you've been uh, releasing an album on average every couple of years haven't you uh, in fact we've yeah. got a we've got a current album called unstoppable some nice tracks mm-hmm. on there like this one here's revolution of change And there's Revolution of Change, just one of the great tracks on the new CD, very aptly called Unstoppable. And in fact, it features two of your sons, doesn't it? Marcel and Marcus uh, both yes. play on the album. Great yeah, stuff. Yeah, two of my sons, yeah. Marcel's playing bass and Marcus is playing drums. Lovely. And Excellent drum. Uh, Excellent drum. Good. <laughs> uh, and there's some there's some lovely, lovely tracks on there. Um, you also done a cover of your old friend Tyrone Davis's Can I Change My Mind? Let's give that a spin. Can I change my mind? Yeah. When I come back, I'm probably going to do that song in person. Lovely. Do you have plans to come to the UK then? Well, we're working on next year. Excellent. Oh, yeah, we're nice. working on next year. Maybe, uh, maybe to come over and, and do some tours. Yeah, yeah. I'm a lot better. I wanted to make sure I was well. Oh, absolutely. And I, you know, I was completely healed, and I didn't want to come out too soon. Mm, no, quite right. You quite know, right. and and work start working too soon, and my body is not able to take it mm. because I'm not young that young anymore. You know, give over. So I have to have to look out for my. You know my body now. Yes, you have to listen to and, your body. Uh, so I, yeah, you have to listen. You do. And I'm taking really good care of myself, and my family takes real good care of me, yeah. and I'm under the doctor's care, and um, so I'm just making sure that I'm okay. Quite right. So I can come over and give a good show and not get sick while I'm over there. Yeah, right. That's it. You got to li- listen to your body because if you do yes, too much, you do. nature has a way of stopping you. When I come over there, you're you. gonna better believe I'm gonna be well. <laughs> Good. Hope so too. <laughs> and I'll be sure to let you know. Thank you very much. Uh, so, just before we finish up, um, what's playing in your car? What music have you got in your car at the moment? If we're to open, the, if we're to open the glove box, <laughs> what CDs are in there? You know what's in there right now? Go on. Um, I do a lot. Of, I do some of my own. Most of the stuff is I'm doing. 
I'm getting back into me. Okay. It's been a year, and um, I do a lot of gospel in my car. I do gospel music in my car. I listen to CNN. <laughs> All right. Good news, yeah. Yeah, I want to know what's going on in the world. And uh, just gospel music, and and mostly my music, and sometimes I do other people's music, Aretha. I might put Aretha on because she was a good friend of mine, and I miss her. Beautiful. I really do miss her. I miss <sighs> Nancy. Nancy oh, Nancy Wilson as well. Yeah, yeah. What a lovely vo- vocal. So, where can people buy your material? Do you have your own uh, your own website, your own on- online shop, perhaps? Yes, I do. It's uh, candy staten dot com. Uh, Baraka Records. Um, you can look up Baraka Records. Mm-hmm. You can go on iTunes. You can buy my music on iTunes. Um, or in 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 uh, the other places on on yeah, on uh, all usual outlets that you can go by. There's regular places that you can yeah. go and buy. I'm getting ready to put up some more music too. When um, I'm going to the studio, we did some tracks that has never been released. Okay, and I'm going to release them. I'm going to put them up on iTunes. It's some songs that would fit to what's going on right now politically. Yeah, and so I'm going to put up some songs um, that will give people. One is called Breathe. Just breathe, and um, and then one is called where do we, where do I go from here? Where do we go from here? Mm. And um, so it's really a nice some nice songs that didn't make the album, and uh, you can always get Unstoppable. I wish you would. I wish they'd go pick up Unstoppable. Unstoppable is an um, amazing album. It is. It is. Oh, I just yeah. got sick. The beginning of the album. The reason it didn't go any further because I got sick. I learned the day that I was starting to rehearse for the promotional tour that I, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Yeah. And can you imagine what that did to me? Oh, absolutely devastating. It was, it was like, what? I couldn't believe it. And then uh, we, did, we still did six shows. We, I didn't stop the tour. I didn't let the breast cancer stop me. And we did great wow. shows. L.A., we did New York, we did um, Atlanta, uh, we did several places we went, you know, um, me and the band. And I only told them about it after the tour was over. We went to Nashville, too, and I told them when the tour was over. Yeah. That, uh, what I was dealing with. And they were like, I said, don't be, don't be all, you know, don't get sad. You know, I'm getting through this. I'm going to get through this. So they kind of cheered up, but they were still a little heartbroken. Yeah. Candy, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but we've run out of time. Okay, AD, good talking to you. It's Thanks been an for absolute having pleasure. me. Thank you so much for giving me your time. And um, Oh, you're welcome. I look forward to meeting you when you come to the UK. You will. I'm going to play out now with a track I regularly play. Uh, it's a personal favourite of mine, this is too hurt to cry. Thanks again.